Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. You are listening to Wide Truck. Are you ready to truck it? It's time for your Nooner with Dooner on this 600th episode of the show. Man, what a journey, people. Long time. I've been here since... 2019, a little history on the show here. It started all the way back in 2018. The show actually predates me. It started by a gentleman named John Paul Hampstead and Chad, Pre- Chad Prevost. It's done a little bit differently. It was more of like traditional podcasts, guys drinking and just randomly talking about freight. 2019, I came in here, took over the chair next to Trad and took over production. 2020, Michael Vincent joins the show. 2022 became the solo show it is now. This is actually one of the first shows that launched Freight Waves TV over here back in 2019. It uh, used to be one day. We've expanded to three over that time, and it's all thanks to you. So thank you so much, listeners and viewers, for tuning into the show. 600. Let's get to 1,000 and then beyond. Um, let's hope this episode goes better than this, though. I don't know if you guys shut off some fireworks on 4th of July. Take a look here. The volume up on that one. I need to hear these things exploding. Look at that. Hope they got the insurance on that house. Entire garage is on fire here, too, as the entire neighborhood just lights up. I was at Charles Gracie's house, and he had, a, like, the remote detonator thing, but he had all those in the garage just like that. Fortunately, we ended up in that kind of situation. All right, drop the fireworks. All right, one little chart we got to get to here before we get to some guessing things right here. This is some bad news to start things off with, and I don't really want to start you that way. But at Try, they just put a new report and says the cost of operating a truck soared in 2022 to 225 a mile. Here's the bad news on that. The spot rate right now, as you can see on that chart under it, 222 a mile. It's the average spot rate. So on average, you're losing three cents a mile when you drive these trucks. That's a 21%, by the way. That cost of ownership is a 21% jump from 2021. Carriers are seeing double-digit increases in fuel prices, purchase and lease agreements, driver wages, and repairs. Not good. Those of you looking for some volumes on there, too. Some tender rejects. They were ramping up as we head into the 4th of July. It should be expected. They were at 382. They've fallen down to 352. But one good thing that I am seeing is when you look at the inbound ocean containers to the U.S., they're going up right now. They're going up. So maybe we have something to look forward to. Hey, on this 600th episode of the show, we're celebrating with Project 44 CEO and founder, Jet McCann. Let's get into his career a little bit, building Project 44 into a freight tech juggernaut uh, culture, all sorts of stuff with him. In studio, we got Covenants, VP of Sustainability and Innovation. It's Matt McClelland. Uh, it's a show about journeys. We'll go on one with him as well. Justin Martin's going to round it up with uh, his favorite social videos we've ever showed on this show. We got a bunch of other things. Let's tip the band, though, and we'll get all into it. So this episode is brought to you, is sponsored by Last Mile Delivery Leader Freight. When you need the best last mile drivers and vehicles, look to Freight. Sign up and get your first three deliveries free up to $300. Go to Freight.com. That's F-R-A-Y-T.com and use the code FIRST3FREE. Right now, it's my buddy, Jeb Canlis, founder and CEO over at Project 44. I like the room you're in there. What kind of vibe you got going on, Jet? Oh, I'm home in Jackson Hole right now, so appreciate it. What, what is uh, what is that creature that's hanging on your wall right there? That skull, the skeleton. <laughs> oh, uh, you don't have to ask my wife; she's the designer. But uh, you know, I got the American flag back there, and life's good. Hey, I got to congratulate both you and your wife. It's my understanding that uh, you've added another addition to your family. Well, yes, you were told correctly, Matteo McCandless. Very exciting. Six weeks old. Six weeks old. So t- two two boys now, right? About two two years apart. That's right. The walls are already damaged. There's like, uh, just accept it. So that's the you same know. thing I got going on. My boys are, are six and eight, right? And it's a little tough at first when you get through this, but trust me, once, once, once Mateo gets to about like one, one and a half, and the other one's like three, three and a half, they start playing with each other all, all the time. They take a lot off your table and it's simply beautiful. But uh, let me ask you, what, what have you learned from fatherhood so far? <clears throat> 
Uh, certainly more patience is one thing I learned. Uh, more empathy for more ca- mankind, I would say, and uh, hopefully a better better person. So a lot of things that <clears throat> people always offer free advice is often true. It certainly changes you and changes perspective on the on the world and what the purpose is of life. So, has it changed your risk has it changed your risk tolerance at all? You're, you're, you like to jump out of helicopters and go skiing. <clears throat> I would say, uh, yeah, I'm not. Um, yeah, d- certainly like hel- heli skiing, absolutely still do it uh, and still have high risk tolerance. But that last <clears throat> that last 10 percent of the risk, like really tone that down a little bit. So I'd kind of be uh, I'd be a real jerk if I killed myself doing something like that. My kids grew, grew up without a dad. Yeah, you got to be a little bit of a spectator. Are you going, You're an F1 guy. Are you going to that F1 race in Vegas? Last time I was there, the Uber drivers would not shut up about it. Oh, really? <clears throat> yeah, it's a big, big event. Uh, I'm not going to go, but it is an awesome event. Uh, we looked at sponsoring a Mercedes car about two years ago. You know, it was number 44. It seemed to fit really well, and uh, Lewis doesn't seem to be doing as well as, as he was then, so probably good we, we held those dollars back. But, yeah, it's a cool <laughs> event. That Netflix show is legit. I think you got a lot of viewers in America. <clears throat> yeah, dr- drive to survive. Yeah, it's a big one, and it's driven a ton. Like now, they have races taking over all of Vegas that cost thousands of dollars to go to. It's it's huge. Jet in this snapshot yeah. in time, you're sitting there over in Jackson Hole, new father. What's going on on your desk though? What's going on over at Project Forty Four in the summer? It's a busy, busy time <clears throat> for us. You know, we always grow at all costs. I think we did a fantastic job of that. You know, we raised about nine hundred million dollars of capital. We have. Well over a thousand enterprise customers. The majority of them are Fortune uh, or Global Five Thousand companies. <clears throat> um, and for us right now, it's about you know unit economics that in the business you know lead to profitability, and that seems to be the trend right now. And adjusting the business with that, we still are a performance culture. We've always been a performance culture. We're very inquisitive on acquisitions, <clears throat> partnerships, and for um, you know it is making some adjustments though to this new market. So you've got headwinds on tech. Of course, you have headwinds on logistics, which you just talked about, on spot and, and um, uh, tenders, and then also on just pricing. And uh, and then so the third piece is just execution. So just making sure that we're we're really hammering away there. We had some amazing product releases last last month and last week, and um, really really thrilled about what's happening right now. You know, you mentioned uh, the market. Everyone's looking for market catalysts. And this summer is like the summer of union. Their T-Force might be going on strike. You've got UPS might be going on strike. You've got uh, port action up in Canada, diverting freight to the uh, U.S. West Coast. But that hasn't been resolved yet. And, of course, a place you cut your teeth at, YRC Yellow, they are in talks of maybe going bankrupt, maybe going on a strike. How do you see all this playing out? Are, 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 is this the catalyst yeah. great needs? Is this, is this bad? What's going to happen? Well, you know, I'm a capitalist, so uh, I do think that you know the most efficient businesses will will stay in business, and the ones that divide, uh, give the most value to the customers at the best best price. And I think as consumers, we make those conscious decisions every day, or maybe they're unconscious. But you know, YRC has been a long time coming. I worked there for a long time, really appreciative of the training they sent me through and all the experience, but just a number of uh, failed steps along the way, uh, all the way back to you know, Zollers making the acquisitions <clears throat> that didn't make a lot of sense and then being overly arrogant. Um, but it was always a tough gig because you were selling a, a, a premium price at really an economy or uh, service. So you had slower transit times, you had the higher damages and claims, you had... Um, so you just had a lot, a lot of, a lot of headwinds structurally in that business. Um, yeah, you talk about the porch, you talk about the strikes. Uh, those are obviously a little bit <clears throat> different, but there's a lot of, a lot of overlap there. We've seen obviously more of the East Coast ports um, get, picking up more volume through some of those disruptions that have been happening for over 20 years in the West Coast ports. But I think Gene and team over in <clears throat> uh, LA have done a good job and. Uh, there is like a definitely signal though that we're getting from the market, which is there needs to be more automation in the U.S. ports. And I know that's in conflict with the unions and how the unions think about, uh, you know, what needs to happen there. But when I go to Rotterdam or Shanghai, you're just seeing significantly more efficient uh, terminals and ports. And when I look in the data in Project 44, it's quite, quite clear. And I'll say something that uh, might not be that popular but the supply chain disruptions that happened during COVID, uh, the nucleus of that was really the U.S. ports. <clears throat> and that was what, what really caused uh, 
um, those big disruptions that were global. And I think the whole world paid a tax on, it's kind of bizarre to think about, but just that the West Coast ports, um, how they were structured and they couldn't handle the, the volume or the surge efficiently and um, probably cost many, many billions and probably hundreds of billions of dollars for the, for the whole world. So we've got to bring automation there. We've got to make it more efficient to be competitive globally. Now, I hear you clear as a bell every time a report is put out about most efficient ports. If you look at U.S. ports, the fact is they're at the bottom of those lists. They're nowhere near the top of those lists. And look, American shippers, they want to see automation. It causes a big issue. And you mentioned the union there. Um, you know, I have a question for you. And this, this comes up a lot. And people always want to define or redefine. And there's probably a, not a better person to do it than you. Define visibility, especially visibility in freight for us. Yeah, I tend to think of visibility in two categories. You have small V visibility, and then you have big V visibility. Small V visibility probably impacts the majority of the, the folks that rate freight waves and that um, tune into this fantastic show. And the small V visibility, um, which actually Art Metzer, uh, former CEO of Descartes, uh, really, really created that, that naming convention. But that's like track my truck, track my container, um, show me where my shipment is. It's interesting um, for us, you know, there's some revenue that we can generate with that. <clears throat> there's certainly value to the customers. There's value to the carriers. It creates efficiencies for the carriers <clears throat> when you do it with machine to machine and API. Um, but it's not what gets me out of bed in the morning. <clears throat> when I look at big V visibility, it becomes a lot more interesting. Now you're talking about at a SKU or a PO or a part number. You're talking about inventory visibility now. In order to have inventory visibility, you need to have intra-China you need to have the ocean, the steamship lines, the terminals, the ports, and then you need to have the rail and the truck um, and even the last mile to wherever that product's going to. So we're the only company in the world that can that can do that. Uh, but you can now elevate up and talk to the CFO and procurement and start saying, like, how do you reduce inventory? Because you have that big V visibility. So um, when we're talking about that transportation, that little V visibility, it's basically tracking ETA, exception management. Uh, is, is how I would define it. How much harder is it to do that visibility with global networks versus just like domestic U.S. networks? It, it has to be, the scale there has to be uh, somewhat mind-blowing. I would say it's significantly harder. Uh, <clears throat> where if you're running like domestic um, or like an ocean visibility, these are one, if you look at the companies, they're all mostly subscale. Uh, but it's pretty easy. You could do it with like 20 people, 30 people, uh, through a number of different different methods. When you're talking about running a global operation, uh, like for us, we have you know over 900 people in 36 countries. And obviously, many different languages, cultural differences. It's really around the clock, seven days a week, 24 hours. And um, even like being set up in China, having that entity there, having the sponsorship from the Chinese government in order to uh, to make that work is a monumental task. You know, how do you get the data in and out of China? How do you get permission? What can't you take out? What source code do you have set up there? And then when you're really connecting all these modes and these different geographies together, both not only from a stitching to make sure you could see that PO or that sales order across multiple containers, or maybe some's on a train, maybe some's on a truck, maybe some still enter China, maybe some's on an ocean container. Being able to create that view and then create the different ETAs and then be able to create the alerts um, is extremely difficult. I think it might uh, be one of the most ambitious tasks that any software company in logistics has, has tried to accomplish. Now, when you started this company, I remember I, was, I had an interview with you about two years ago, and you were like, the idea basically came, you're sitting in your chair, and you're like, why do these companies, these massive companies, need a truck ETA? Why are they calling me and I'm giving like ETAs on trucks all day? Did you realize it would balloon into this massive thing? Well, certainly when we started, we thought more domestically, but if you listen to the customers and you pick up the signal, it was really clear that this was a global problem and that um, these companies wanted to solve it. And they wanted that big V visibility. And I think as interest rates go up and the cost of holding inventory increases, um, when demand is quite unclear, uh, companies are looking for that inventory and motion visibility. And I don't know if I ever thought it would be like this, but I like the direction it's going. I like the product releases. And I like um, actually the actually the following chapters that we're doing. And those chapters always seem really clear, which was more automation across more of the workflow for our customers and the carriers. Um, 
I didn't know it would be on this on this global scale. Back then, I thought more U.S. domestic. Well, you know, a couple of years ago, too, you said you'd accomplish about 1%, 1% of yeah. what you wanted to do at Project 44. Where, where are you at now? 1%. 1%? That doesn't <laughs> sound like a lot of progress, Jed. Yeah, I would say progress. Maybe, you know, the 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 goal keeps changing and bigger and, and, and higher. But yeah, one, we're one, I'd say we're 1% of the way there. I mean, I look at the the, the, the revenue, we're well over $100 million of subscription, um, knocking on the door soon of $200 million. Uh, but I know this company can be something that lasts for, for centuries. I know something um, that, you know, if you have machine to machine, a synchronous connection, uh, and you have all the analytics that are coming to that, and you're creating value for all the nodes, that this is something that's, that's going to take many decades to build and um, will likely be around for over a century. You're not going to do it without good culture. And one of the things you're always proud about is showing off your town halls. I know you had Al Gore over there recently. What is the key to running a good town hall and running a good culture, one that could stand for a century? Well, uh, you know, I do think culture is everything. And, of course, people make up the, the, the culture. Uh, you know, when you have culture and you have um, – uh, that's, a, that's a cool, cool <laughs> picture. We've got to really uh, – I've got to give it to our – um, AV team that's done a phenomenal job of setting up all the, the quality there. So it's a global experience, but um, you know, when I think about town hall I, I, and even like fundraising, both are about a one hour period. And I try to find uh, other things in life where people get really excited or where they're paying money for one hour. And the thing that comes to mind obviously is a, is a TV show or a movie. So how can you take what you want to deliver to your team members and how can you have similar flows of what you, what people pay, you know, and, and sit down for 60, 90 minutes and make it informative. Um, and then another thing for us is we have Q&A uh, after every town hall for usually somewhere between 10 to 20 minutes. And that's probably my favorite part. It's fun just getting after it, hearing what's on folks' minds, some tough questions up there. Uh, obviously holding me accountable as a CEO. I think the team members really appreciate that um, and that, that uh, real talk that we give them. Um, so yeah, uh, the culture is always something that you can't ignore. It's something you have to manage every day. It is the, the, the blood of the company and, um, it's extremely important. What, when you're building this company, what do you look for in a hire? What are you looking for in talent? Cause I can tell you something, there's at least a decent percentage of this audience that even if they don't want to use project 44, they want to work for project 44. Well, I appreciate that. That's that's flattering. We certainly want to be a destination of the top talent out there. And one of the things I'm really proud of is people can come to Project 44 for two, three, four years. And what I've seen is they can really elevate their career. They can. Um, but that comes with a lot of accountability and a lot of pressure. Uh, we are a performance culture. You know, I wouldn't say you measure it quite in dog years, but if you get three, four years of experience at Project 44, um, it tends to be more equal to like you know, five or 10, 10 years experience somewhere else. And you could see it. We have a lot of, a lot of folks. We just had a VP of finance. that's now a CFO of a company. We've had, you know, VPs in sales go be CROs in companies, uh, VP of marketing, be chief marketing officers. So I think that's phenomenal. That gives me a, a lot of excitement building the tech uh, ecosystem and the, the markets that we're in. Uh, which we have 23 offices around the world, and also just helping some of the a lot of these folks end up staying in logistics um, is is exciting to 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 me. I mean, the three most basic things that you've got to uh, have at Project 44 you have, you have to have excellent communication, you've got to have accountability, and you have to be resourceful. And I think sometimes people uh, might not always understand that, but I'll give you an example: communication. You're obviously an excellent communicator, whether you're in personal life or in your business life. Communication usually what makes or breaks a relationship. Uh, so that constant communication, and then when uh, being resourceful, oh, man, I feel like almost every answer is already out there. Like you, got, you all put out such great content. You have ChatGPT, you have Google, you have YouTube. You can go to these amazing events and conferences. You know, many of them you all have uh, host, and you could just get the answers there. So be resourceful. It's it's it's, it's out there, and then accountability. Um, I love living in a world of ultimate accountability. Uh, for some people, it seems a little extreme, but if this roof falls on my head, that's my fault. It's not the builder's fault. It's not the insurance company's fault. I chose to buy the house. I chose to walk in the house. I chose to sleep in the house. I chose not to go out and inspect the foundation or hire someone to do that or to go have someone go up and do the inspection. So I think when you live in that ultimate accountability, uh, it's total freedom. 
um, because you are then um, responsible for all the results in your life. So those are the three things that everyone at Project 44 has to have. You add that with a performance culture, a winning attitude. Of course, I love Moxie and I love I love grit. You don't, and you don't just invest in employees. You also invest in companies and ideas. You do acquisitions over at Project 44. So it's a different market now than we talked about two years ago. Um, what do you, when you're looking now, you're looking at free tech, you're looking at things that impress you, you're looking at things that you can actually invest in and, and build. What has you impressed this year? Well, there's a, there's a number of uh, great great companies. You could go to jetmccandless.com and see the companies I've invested in, in, in there. I'm obviously very proud of, of, of those companies and what those entrepreneurs are, are doing there. I wouldn't invest in anyone that I didn't think had a great um, business model. Oh, I just had a great dinner last night with an entrepreneur that uh, either Project 44 Ventures or myself will, will, will invest in. Um, with, you know, in uh, partnership with some other amazing lead investors. Um, you know, I think uh, anyone that's out there that's picking up signal from, from, from customers is, is really interesting. And um, the th- one thing I'm looking at now is that when I look at the three PLs and the, <clears throat> the brokers, man, they're so good at building technology. I mean, they have really got on board. They, uh, they understand their business. They want to understand how to build internal technology that creates efficiency for their for their team members. I'd probably be a little nervous about investing in a company that thought they were going to build some type of product that was going to serve uh, the 3PO and the broker on a long-term play. Mm. Uh, just because when I look at Coyote and TQL and Arrive and Kuganago, DSV, like all these customers we have, they are just getting better and better. Um, and I look at that on a five-year horizon, and it will be tough to sell products into them um, at prices that have the, the margins that you that that, that you need. Um, so it's kind of like, what do the shippers need, or what do the carriers need? And those are two nodes of the supply chain where they don't have the resources. It's not a core competency, uh, and that's where I think the that's what's most 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 interesting to me right now. You know, I asked you two years ago about when you knew you made it or if you felt like you made it and your, and your best day in freight as a founder. And you're like, I haven't even stopped to think about that yet. Have you stopped to think about that in the past two years? Uh, the question of have I made it, uh, I guess it would like from a business perspective, not even close. Uh, have I made it on a personal journey? Uh, probably Yes. Uh, and I think fatherhood was, was a huge part of that. Um, and then my wife, uh, so in, in that sense, uh, extremely, uh, happy and content satisfaction, the deepness that I didn't know that was, was, was possible. Um, on the business side, man, we're only 1% of the way there. Like we've got a lot to do and I'm really proud of what we built. It's like nothing else we've ever seen in logistics. There's never been a platform it's neutral like us at the at the size and scale that has the data that adds the value to so many customers and carriers. But um, we've got a lot. We've got a lot to do, like to be talking, using phrases like we've made it. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I understand. I understand. You need something to push you forward, too. Like, do you have a chip on your shoulder? Like, do you or, or even like a, just you, you put like me personally, I need to have like some kind of like enemy, even if it's not even even real or imagined. I need like something to push myself forward. Yeah, only the paranoid survive, right? Uh, so, uh, do I have a chip on my shoulder? You know, uh, growing up in an under-resourced community and being poor and not having food, you know that you don't ever want that again. So, uh, I don't know if that gives you a chip or what it, what it is. Um, it certainly creates a hunger hunger within and a motivation. Uh you know, I, I, I probably do come off as a chip on the shoulder. Perhaps I, perhaps I do. Uh, I tend to try to move really uh, fast and thoughtfully and uh, with velocity, but um, perhaps it does come off as a, as, as a chip on the shoulder. Um, it is nice to have competitors. It's nice to have competitors that aren't too smart. Um, <laughs> that, so that way you can kind of direct the, the, the team towards an enemy. Um, but yeah, right now, you know, it's kind of like running our own race and, uh, going after some actually much, much larger competitors than we traditionally have, have, have done. So I guess that does put a chip on my shoulder. Well, Jet, what's the future look like for P44? What's coming up the rest of this year? 
Well, we had a product release on the July 5th. that was amazing. And like, it was probably one of the proudest product releases I've ever seen. It's just incredible to see all these, you know, we made six acquisitions, but to see all them come together uh, and deliver value and customers can access all of them now on, on the movement platform is remarkable. Uh, we, in that, uh, we did a new product release for the carriers, which is incredible. Um, now our, our 3PL customers and our broker customers can actually get back to what got me most passionate about Project 44, which is they can automate the entire workflow from a rate quote to the documents uh, using Project 44. And we've had that product in LTL for seven years. And a lot of companies were first movers on that, like Worldwide Express, Blue Grays, Echo Global. They use some of those products. Now we have it for truckload. And you pull that into uh, visibility and it starts being a lot more interesting because visibility, especially little v visibility, is kind of read only. And if you want the product to be stickier and you want to create more value, you have to be able to take action on it. And uh, that's what we'll be focused on this this year, just increasing value, increasing tracking percentages, increasing uh, consumption, and making sure our customers are getting the most amount of value. And I could say our tech team is firing at the best ever, and I couldn't be happier with them. Jed, I've got some visibility on a former house guest of yours. He's sitting right across from you. Matt, come up here for a second. Before we let Jed go, why don't you say hi to him? I, I know you guys have uh, been on the slopes together a little bit. <laughs> Oh, I've been sitting with him right there at that porch before. You've been right on that. Are you the one who hung that skull on the wall? No, I stalked it, skinned it, killed it. Um, and then Jet slung it over his shoulder and we hauled it back to the house. Yeah, and Dina sure. made soup. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> What's the t-shirt say, Matt? Trucker. This is what Covenant uh, gives its um, uh, a lot of our drivers and employees. We wear these on Friday. Nice. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I got a soft spot for, uh, for, for the drivers. Absolutely. You know, Jet and I have done some big adventures together. We've skied together. We've jumped out of helicopters together. We've uh, mountain biked together, snowshoe. That's not really an adventure, but we've done that together as recently <laughs> as this year. Jet let me spend Christmas with him this year because my wife got stuck in, wow. in Chattanooga, and I was out there. I was with him, and he said, just come to my house and spend it with my family, which thank you, by the way. That, I still remember that. That yeah. might have been one hell of a good, It was a good time. We were, uh, it, was, it was nice yeah. nice, nice hosting you. It was good to have you be part of the family. Well, Jet, what's the craziest adventure you've taken him on then? You guys jumped out of a helicopter? You want to take that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think, you know, you land on, or you don't even land on the peaks. That's right. You, you, if you're jumping out of a, on the peak in, you know, Alaska, AK, and you got a couple hundred vertical drop all around you and uh you're getting you know you got four four skiers and a guide and when you're sitting on each other's laps and you know you're, you're working with maybe a three foot by four foot spot for five people and all the gear and death on most sides uh that's you gotta stay focused and you can't mess up either because if the guide's way down hundreds of yards down the hill if you're up at the top, in the back, if you fall, lose a ski. Yeah. No, I like the YouTube. I watch the YouTube videos of, like, the disasters that happen during these things all the time. Like, <laughs> people getting lost during hiking and extreme events and rock climbing. But uh, I haven't jumped out of a helicopter with you guys. Well, Jet, I'll let, I'll let you go. But people who want to reach out to you, they want to they work with Project 44. They want to get that visi world-class visibility. Where do we send them to? I'll just send them to the Project 44 website. Based on what their needs are, direct them specifically to, uh, to the areas and people can help them the best. I appreciate it. Congratulations on this uh, 600th show. Feel really fortunate to be able to participate in that. I'm looking forward to, uh, if you please have me back on the 6,000th show, because yeah. I know you're going to make it happen. I know I know all the viewers out there want to want to see it go that long. So I appreciate well, you all. Project Thanks for the excellent content. P44 customer, P44 customer right, here. right here. Jet, congratulations to you, to Jet Jr., to Mateo, and to your wife, of course. Congratulations on the new addition to your family. I appreciate your time. You guys rock. Cheers. Take it Bye. easy. See you, buddy. All right, Matt. Meanwhile, meanwhile, let's take a look what's going on here. Guys, delivering a pizza. Oh, I've seen this. <laughs> He's bringing her the pizza. It's supposed to be the fourth. I hear fireworks in the background. Is this the one about? Oh, I won't spoil it. Ladies coming to the door. She's taking a second. Guys, a little impatient. Hi. Hello. Come here, Matt. There you go. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I just want to say it's a nice house for a $5 tip. 
Ooh. Oh. Oh, man, he swore at her, too. He said it was a nice house for a... F what do you think? Uh, it looked like one pizza and a salad. It's $5, because you're also, at, like, on DoorDash, you also got to pay, like, $5 just uh, on the DoorDash fee. So I read about that. That actually ended up being, like, a 23% tip, that $5. Well, what's the problem? People. Yeah? Can't live with them, can't live without them. You do the Uber on your free time at all? Uh, you know what? Um, <laughs> that would be kind of fun, like Uber for a day. Yeah. Right? For like a day. Yeah, yeah, for a yeah. day. Yeah. My son Walker's sitting up here. He's 17. I don't think he's old enough to do it, but. Walker, are we fun. supposed to hit, let, let's, let's pull the audience. Are you supposed to do 20% or 25% now on a tip? <laughs> yeah, Walker says 20% is fine. Even, even uh, Gen Z agrees. Uh, when you and I were back then, it was yeah. 15. 15 if you were good. 15 if you were good. 10, and you didn't 10 if you showed up for the game. Yeah, you, like millennials, don't realize this. You guys, like, destroyed home delivery. You destroyed final, like, pizza places used to have free delivery. And now you made it so it's, like, $5 plus mm. this tip, and you get yelled at by the delivery guy. I've, I've been on the receiving end of some of those. The shade? Ugh. The shade, yeah. 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 No, stop being so cheap, man. Yeah, yeah. Ugh, 27%. Bad person. Speaking of tips, I got to tip the band really quick. Uh, this episode of What the Truck is sponsored by Last Mile Delivery Leader Freight. When you need the best Last Mile Delivery drivers and vehicles, look to Freight. Sign up and get your first three deliveries free up to $300. Go to Freight.com and use code First three free. That's F R A Y T.com. Matt, you know, we've been talking about some of your extremism, right? You've sent us videos. Let's be, let's be, let's be a little more clear. Well, and outdoor adventures. Outdoor not like adventure Politically extremism. or religiously. Not like religious extremism or yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> let's take a look at them on a, on, on a hang ladder here. This is your recordings, hey, I think, before our last in-person event. You went, when's the last time you've been up in the air since then? Uh, last Saturday. Or two Saturdays ago. How often do you get up in the air? Uh, you know, I try to go once a week. Um, I, sometimes the, the flights can be an hour, two hour, three hours long. Sometimes they're eight minutes long. So you never know. Have you made But that's right here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Can we do can we plug November Freight Waves yet? Yeah, why not? If, if you come to Freight Waves in November, it won't be too cold. You can do this. When, uh, when is that? I gotta know the exact date. Uh, <laughs> like the like second, the third? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. It's no, this year it is the seventh to the ninth. Last year was the second and third. This year gotcha. it's the seventh through the ninth, right here in Chattanooga. Yeah. Um, you know, we've left out one piece, what piece? of all this. So so I'm with a local carrier here in town. Yeah. I get a phone call from you every once in a while. Um, yes. I'm reliable. I show up. You do. And uh, yeah, Covenant Logistics. So we, um, it's great being here in the same backyard with you. Did you, have you brought Jet up there yet? Have you convinced him to go up on a hang glider? Uh, you know what? He would do it. Again, it gets back to, I'm a dad. I've got it. that 10%. Yeah. That paragliding hang gliding might be inside that 10%. Now, Matt was making fun of uh, my minivan, even though it has a V6 engine on it. I don't know where he's coming from. But I was looking in your background, and you took, like, months off from work to build your own van, Chad, the adventure van. I, I did. I, well, I was between jobs, and yes. I had walked away from something, and... I was exploring the idea of being a van builder with another local guy here in town. And like as a full-time type of job? Yeah, you know, I was just kind of, you know, I reached this point in my career, I'm like, oh, I was with this 3PL, and I was just sort of ready for a change, and my yeah. wife was encouraging me, like, you should do something different. I don't care what it is, but I'm going to support you. And so uh, I met up with a guy that was incredibly talented um, here in town, and for three months, we worked together and kind of tried each other out. Uh, a couple things happened in that time. One is I built a van. Yeah. Uh, the second thing was I realized that, um, um, well, another thing, Covenant came knocking at my door and they gave me a really great opportunity, uh, which I took. And then, you know, um, the guy that I had partnered with, he's still in business. He does a great job. He's probably one of the premier van builders in the South. And um, yeah, Site 7 Camper Vans. You can check it out. Where's the best place you've taken that van to? Uh, well, I mean, I hate to sound like I'm sucking up, but, you know, driving out to Jackson Hole, Jackson Hole was, was, was pretty cool. Um, I've driven out west. So Walker and I, so for those of you who can't see this, Walker, my 17-year-old son, and I have um, driven cross-country, what, Walker, twice? Three times. Yeah, so from Chattanooga to Jackson, we've climbed Grand Teton together. We've slept in the van. We've slept in TA parking lots, Love parking lots, uh, uh, rest stops. Walmart parking lots. Um, we've seen Walker. We've seen some pretty creepy things along the way, and um, yeah, so we've had a great time in it. But ultimately, the van is about getting to the destination and doing some really great stuff. Um, so I'm excited about the rest of the summer. Did you guys have to pull shower tickets? Were you showering at like Loves and, and so Dave's I have. Right? I don't think he has. Uh, there's you know there's a lot of trail magic yeah. on the road, and you know one time this guy in this massive RV said, "Hey man, you want to take a shower?" And I said, "Do I need to like take together? a shower?" No, no, he oh. was offering the, his facilities in this giant van, in a, yeah. or giant RV in a parking lot. I'm like, 
uh, can I do a level of laundry while I'm at it? And he's like, absolutely. And wow. so, yeah, so there's a lot of trail magic out there. Give, give, give him a mile. Even. Road magic. Give an inch, yeah. you take a mile. Yeah. Did he let you cook and stuff too? Uh, his wife did. Uh, you know, I've got a long story about that. This, his wife did offer me um, dinner, which I, um, I did not take. I wasn't that comfortable. No. Yeah, the shower was enough. Now, how did you, because we've had you on, we've talked about concepts and stuff, but how did you get your start in logistics? Because, like, someone doesn't just become an a, uh, innovation and sustainability director. Right. Yeah, so I've been in IT for most of my career. Big system implementations, right? I used to work for a company out in the Bay Area that implemented big HR financial systems. Um, I did that for a long time in the 90s. Um, I came back to Chattanooga and was with a 3PL here in Chattanooga for 12 or 13 years. I, I did like a lot of people do. I had a brief stint with a startup yeah. um, for about a year. Bob Corker, who became our senator, he was the lead investor on it. And that was a lot of fun working with him and getting to know him. This was before he was mayor and before he was senator. What did the startup do? Uh, the, well, so that's a great question. It was the early stages of, um, of a hosted desktop. So the idea was that you weren't going to have a computer anymore. Oh. You're going to basically you know, log on to a dumb terminal and it was going to present your windows and your, your email and your office and your files. And it was going to be backed up to the cloud and it was going to be total cost of ownership was lower. It was a great idea. Yeah. A little bit too ahead of its time. A little bit. Yeah. Well, people like their own computers and, and devices. That's me. You know, uh, my financial, do you use financial software? Uh, yeah, yeah, not as good as I should. I use Quicken. Yeah. And I can't go to the cloud. I'm like, no, I want the on-prem on my local computer database. So I'm do- old school. Did, did you grow up, like, looking at streams and wishing they were cleaner and looking at trucks and wishing to not see black smoke out of them? Or, like, how did you end up in the role that you're in? So uh, when I started at Covenant, my role had sustainability was not in the title. It was basically exploring ideas and, 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 and technologies that we weren't doing today, really under the umbrella of fuel economy and, you know, how to reduce, how to make, you know, the trucks more efficient on the road, how to eliminate deadhead time and, and empty miles and how to reposition trailers better. And what I saw, Dooner, about maybe a year into that is that our customers were starting to ask us about, what about battery electric? What about autonomous trucks? We read a lot about that. Yeah. What about um, environment? I remember the first time somebody asked me about an environmental footprint and greenhouse gases. And, you know, I kind of sensed that, you know, being somebody that loves the outdoors, that... How long ago was that? Uh, this was 2019. No, no, 2000. Yeah. 2019. And that was the first. Someone asked you, and it's not that long ago. Yeah, yeah. Less not that long ago. People started thinking about this. Yeah. Nobody ever asked um, on a RFP, like, what's your carbon footprint? Tell yeah. me about your scope three. What's your position on carbon net zero? Um, so we were starting to be on the early stage. And so my our board of directors gave me a really long runway to, um, to read, to attend conferences, to build relationships with our OEMs, to talk to startups, right? To talk to... Um, people that were, were doing what, what our president, Paul Bunn, called science experiments, right? Ideas that are really way ahead of their time. You know, they had to have a little bit of credibility to them. And so, you know, I've been very fortunate for every one really good idea, I've probably seen 10 bad ones. Mm. And so um, I don't know what, what you're like, but man, every time I log on to LinkedIn, I get hundreds of requests for oh, sure. like, hey, can I talk to you about this thing? And it's like, well, that doesn't have to do with trucks, but you know. Um, so anyway, we just sort of, my role kind of solidified and it became, um, we did our first corporate social responsibility report, which is basically a company's position on the environment, um, your people and the communities where you do business. And we had a lot of fun putting that together and kind of setting some very broad brushed climate goals. And then, you know, I won't go into the weeds here unless you kind of push me there, which I'm happy to go into, but you know, all of our sustainability stuff really is the result of three things. One. We did it before it was called sustainability, right? Okay. We were always thoughtful of the environment and emission reduction. The average truck on the road today is um, 98% fewer particulate matter and NOx than the average truck in 1988. The second thing is regulatory. So we're starting to see a lot, and your listeners will know about CARB and ACF and ACT and, 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 and the EPA. You know, a lot of these rules are going to dictate the makeup of our fleet starting next year and really kind of coming up in 2025. And then the third thing is, is customer pushback you know customers are saying hey we've got these scope three initiatives of which you're a part of and we need you to help us make that goal so those three things drive our environmental initiatives they what it's what makes me get up in the morning but now you go out and you try to execute upon that right and you gotta look at available trucks and what kind of solutions are out there what is your philosophy on that before we get into what's even available what's your philosophy on that like how do you want to build and, and model this what are the goals so 
That is a great question. I had breakfast with our president today. We talked about that very thing because it's one thing to read about stuff and yeah. give updates to the board and to the leadership and like, hey, the art of the possible. Like, okay, well, let's do something. Well, with a big fleet and really we're number, I think Transport Topics just ranked all of the four hire carriers, long haul. And we're, I think, number 39 or 40 or maybe 41. We're not the biggest. We're not the smallest. Okay. And these are questions that we're all thinking about. And we, where we are all alike is we like to keep a standard build, right? We try to keep all the stuff the same because one day the truck could be in California for one customer, tomorrow it could be on the other side of the country, and it really needs to be configured similarly. But when you have customers that are saying, we want to invest in making the carbon footprint of that dedicated fleet that we have with you better, that gives us an opportunity to look at things like renewable diesel, electric APUs to reduce idle percentage, yeah. um, looking at, you know, we've never really done CNG, but, you know, that obviously comes up in conversation. Um, does electrification work inside of the average length of haul for that customer? Um, we, we just had Nikola in the other day, uh, yesterday, actually, and we were talking about hydrogen and the progress that they're making there. So, you know, there are a lot of things to talk about. There's a lot of low-hanging fruit, Dooner, but there's a lot of big-picture stuff that it requires a lot of co-investment with our dedicated customers. Now, when you take a look, someone like someone like Nikola comes in. This is a, it's been a tough- Oh, you rode in the Nikola truck with us. I did ride in the yeah. Nikola truck with us. But I mean, they're a company, they've had a lot of trouble. They've had a lot yes. of trouble. Uh, you know, obviously the pandemic didn't help. The former founder didn't help. They've had a lot of, they're even trying to pivot now off mm. of batteries to hydrogen. They got rid of Romeo. You tried out their truck. You know, it it, 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 it is what it is. I mean, is anything ready for prime time? Like how do these companies stay- afloat for long enough to meet the needs that that your customers really want obviously you guys want now too you're dedicating time and positions and effort to these climate goals so before i answer that in front of what eight million listeners sure right now nine or is it ten yeah you know yeah 12 20 12 million listeners um so that's an answer that i have to balance because I'm a very pragmatic guy. My yeah. son who's sitting over there will tell you the same thing. And I like data and facts and figures. And so when you look at a lot of the stuff around sustainability, some of it is legit. Some of it is greenwashing. Some of it is just box checking, right? And we like to actually do things that are making a difference. And yeah. so, you know, when I'm looking at an investment, um, a, a, a thing that, let's just call it a thing that I can buy for the truck, I have to number one, see if the customer's willing to pay for the premium. We call it the green premium. Number two, I have to make sure that it stays inside of a, a dedicated fleet so that truck doesn't end up somewhere else. And I've got this $10,000 asset that's been bolted onto the truck that maybe the next customer's not willing to pay for. And so, you know, we really have to do an ROI um, on the truck. But something else that, um, that we've been thinking about lately, and, and you and I have talked about this offline before, but there's this idea of a financial ROI, right? Does this thing pencil out? Is it going to save me money or cost me money? But there's also the social ROI, mm. where things you can't measure. Examples of that are this thing over three years will pay for itself, but it's also in fuel savings and maintenance yeah. savings, but it's also going to eliminate 50% of the greenhouse gas that comes out of the tailpipe. Well, what's that worth? How do you put that in your model? Because you can't, because there's no dollar value attached to it. Does so that math math out? Like we've all heard the pitches where they're like, yeah. And, and a lot of times it seems like they're taking away electric costs and fluctuation in there. And it seems like the timeline for how this thing pays for itself is a lot shorter than probably what you might estimate on your end. Well, you know, we have customers that are sometimes willing to like, okay, we know that that thing doesn't pencil out, but we know the carbon savings or the fuel economy or really the carbon savings, the thing that you can't measure, the thing's not tangible or the potential driver retention because this device, this electric APU improves the life, you know, it improves the you know, that driver's sort of lifestyle because you don't have to idle the engine at night when you're sleeping and there's some recruitment and retention sort of soft numbers that you can move into that. Those things collectively add up to the social ROI, which the CFO doesn't like. The CFO wants a financial ROI. So it's just something else we have to think about. And we're starting to get customers, Dooner, that are willing to pay the premium. They're like, okay, I want to do that. That's a really interesting idea. What's it going to cost for us to do that together? And so they're willing to step up. And so those are real fun projects. Are there any companies other than Nikola that you really like what they're, they're offering out there? Like, have you looked at, like, the Hylions of the world, for example? Yeah, Hylions got a great product. To be honest with you, I haven't spent a lot of time with them recently. 
the the one that I looked at, there was I think there was a CNG piece to it, and that was something that we weren't involved with at the time. Yeah, those guys are real leaders. Um, I've met their founder before. Super smart. Um, we I know some fleets that are using their equipment. Um, I also like. Um, you know, Daimler, you know, Daimler, we were just with them last week. My friend Rakesh, who runs their e-mobility group. In fact, Rakesh, I hope you're listening because um, the work that he and his team are doing for electrification and hydrogen is 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 unparalleled. Um, uh, Nikola, of course, is getting into the hydrogen business. Um, science experiments, you know, I got a call in a few hours with this guy, um, Paul, um, uh, Paul Gross from Remora, the founder and CEO of Remora, which is direct carbon capture. So it's this giant science experiment that bolts to the back of the cab and absorbs 90% of the carbon that comes out of the tailpipe. I think you've been talking them up every time that I've talked to you. Well, it's time. just so what I like about Paul and what I like about their company is that they are taking a big risk and really trying something radically different for the right reasons. And so I want him to be successful because it's the right thing for the environment. I mean, think about it. If you could have a diesel truck with their device on it and essentially be a zero emission vehicle because you've absorbed almost all the carbon out of the tailpipe, I mean, that's sort of a bridge technology that I'll take all day long. Now, does it pencil out? The thing's really expensive. You know, early adopters are paying a lot. So I like them. I like uh, renewable diesel. You know, uh, which is, is the push for net zero? Is it hurting any of these bridge technologies, though? Like, is it making? Because I like I remember talking to Thomas from Hylion, and mm-hmm. we were talking about hybrids, and and hybrids are great in long haul trucking because you need distance and you don't want range anxiety. But he's like, you know, every time I bring it up to shippers, they're like, no, we need net zero. We need, you know, we need we need. Yeah. So I've got a great answer to that. Uh, there's a buddy of mine that runs a forty. He owns a forty five truck fleet out in Portland, Oregon. His name's Keith Wilson, Titan Transport. Yeah. Probably shouldn't be promoting like non. Yeah. advertisers on your show but keith is the most passionate renewable diesel guy ever he has introduced legislation it's called sb803 to make renewable diesel the only diesel product sold throughout the state of oregon mm-hmm. and what's interesting about that is um i i testified in front of oregon's legislature kind of promoting why it would be a big deal to covenant and why we would actually go out of our way and while we're going from california to um to to washington to actually refuel with some of this stuff. And so the guy that came right after me on the testimony was this young guy. And he was like, we shouldn't do this. Renewable diesel isn't zero emission. This is taking the eye off the ball. We should be using that investment dollars to really come up with green hydrogen. He was like this real huge organ tree hugger kind of guy. And I was like, man, if tomorrow I could just fill this, my tank up with this stuff and get 80%, 90 or 60%, 70% out of the tailpipe, why would I not do that? You know, especially if, if the cost of diesel was on parity with regular number two. Yeah. Yeah. So it depends, right? You hate that answer, don't you? Well, yeah, you have a lot to consider and the technology is not all there. What about one that's a little bit further off, like autonomous vehicles? You guys care about those at all? The uh, we do. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Um, what's happening right now with CARB and ACT and ACF and, um, you know, the makeup of our fleet and whether or not we can operate in California, that's really what we're all looking at right now. So we autonomous? have a... Wow. No, no, no. Oh, um, electric. Uh, you're, you're busy. No, no, no. We're, we're, we're looking at carb and the requirements yeah, yes, yeah, I, I for what you. the fleet is going to look like, of you. which electrification, you know, will be a part of that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's where our eye is right now. Now, we've partnered with two, two companies for, for AV, and we're excited about the progress that they're making, Aurora and, and Torque, which is owned mostly by Daimler. Sure. But um, I've been in the Torque too. I've been uh, yeah, they Tormlers over there. The Torque Daimler relationship. Yep, a good OEM. Yep, those are great. I'd love for my son to get a little, get a little internship up there sometime and learn what it's like to, to build really cool tech. Right. Me- I went to their New Mexico place. New Mexico. I've never been to New Mexico. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool place. Uh, I've been there once. It's really yeah. hot there. Yeah, yeah I didn't hot. like it. Yeah, it's hot. But um, internship. But, you can spend a few months. I know. But AV is interesting because there is a, uh, I mean, from a sustainability perspective, better asset utilization. You're really using that asset and eliminating empty miles. It operates more efficiently. Hopefully over time we'll be able to demonstrate that they're safer. There's a lot of other things about it. But, But we are bullish on that. But I wouldn't say it's part of our, you know, sustainability portfolio. Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you, and that that makes that makes good sense too. Now, do, do the do you, when you explain to AV people, they get all depressed? When you're like, you know, like we got other things to worry about first. We got to um, solve some things. That okay, but that's solved. that's us, our yeah. fleet, our size, and our resources that we have to throw at that problem. Because you know, the different companies have different timelines. For one, it's 2025. For another, it's yeah. 2026. 
you know, we just got hit with this news a few weeks ago that, you know, California, the some labor union is against autonomous because it's going to take jobs away from drivers. And, you know, we're not quite sure how that's going to work. Plus, after 2024, an autonomous truck in California, those days are numbered because they want yeah. you to switch to zero emission vehicles at some point in the future. But in and, California, you have to have a safety driver in the truck now, which makes the, the AV not less yeah. viable than it even was before. Yeah. So there's there's so much going on right now. It's super exciting. Um, I love software plays as much as I love hardware plays. I've, yeah. I've spent some time talking to Jet you know, about some of the things they're doing with sustainability. So, yeah, no, it's a fun job. Jet's busy out there. When I was at, when I was in Cleveland, a, a couple people mentioned that Jet was investing in their little stealth companies that were going on. So I was like, there's still some money floating around out there. Well, hey, we got some videos to get to. Hang out with me. We'll get to them here. We also got Justin before we do elsewhere. This, this is what you got to do when you're, uh, when your dock's on the third floor, Matt. <laughs> Straight. You ever been to a dock like that? You've That's been, a MacGyver move there, isn't it? Someone online said they say you get garments and hanger in there. I've had to I've had to take garments and hanger out of a truck. Oh, that's that's hilarious. Would you slide down that? No. 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 I've done some crazy stuff, but that's not one of them. All right. Well, let's drop that down. Let's bring Super Trucker up. It's Friday. A little good news, bad news. We'll get some great videos. Bad news and good news. What's up, Justin? Oh, you didn't even hear that one. Hey, guys. Happy uh, 600, my friend. Absolutely. Now, before we get to your videos, I I have a couple of my my own career here because I I wanted to make sure Matt saw these ones. Well, here it is. Good news. Your flight's about to take off. Bad news. This lady is on your plane. Roll the tape. Say whatever you want. I'm telling you, I'm getting the off, and there's a reason why I'm getting the off, and everything. Can either believe it or they cannot believe it. I don't give two f- but I am telling you right now, that mother. I think she's going to in jail. There is not real. She said he's not real. Like that. Which... You can sit on this plane <laughs> and you can f- die with them or not. I'm not going to. All right. Are- I gotta ask. All right, we'll start with you, Matt. Are you staying on that flight or did, did she scare you? That that was probably a little bit to get worried about. That was a little what you might Yeah, I mean, granted, the carrier has a big motivation to not crash. So, yeah. you know, I'm sure maybe they looked into it. But, um, yeah, I don't know about that one. The real – what about you, Justin? Would you be off that flight? No, I'd get her off the flight as fast as I could. I was actually in a Twitter space last night with a former airline pilot, and he says he can spot people like that a mile away. They're usually already running late and going crazy in the parking lot. And just the the – act of having to go through security and just the stress it's just the tension builds and builds and builds and so they snap and so that's why we saw that lady snap right there Ooh. Ooh. all right well yeah i mean uh actually when we were flying back from uh chicago remember were you at our event in chicago yeah it was live chicago 2019 yeah we were flying back there was a guy on our united flight that was convinced that like we were cia because so many of us had freight waves logo hats on it and it like made this guy super paranoid and he started yelling to the flight attendant we stayed on the flight yeah, yeah, well, they get him off. If they get the guy off, I'm fine staying on. You know, little little local Chattanooga tidbit. Um, you have to show up at least 45 minutes before the flight with luggage. You have to. I just check heard it. that. That's new. 45 minutes, and if it's not, your luggage ain't getting there. That's new. And you, the, the the bad thing is, you only have to be there like 20 minutes early because yep. it's Chattanooga Airport. There's nothing there. All right. Bad news. The damn truck in front of you is blocking the road. Good news. They have this truck screen that shows you the road. You guys think this is a good idea? Because I'm looking at this, Matt, and uh, (laughs) to me, that almost looks like an invisible truck. Like, I feel like I would drive straight through that. How about you? I've seen that before. I think the idea for that is a big, giant advertisement for, you know, some consumer product. I don't think it's designed. I don't know. Why would you do that? Why would you have that? I guess it's to show the road in front of the truck because you can't see over the truck. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. But it seems really distracting. Yeah. Justin, you, you're a former professional driver. Would you? Would this be beneficial to you, or do you think you'd crash into that after a while? No, no, absolutely. And, and they have a QR code there, so the idiot behind you is going to be fumbling with the phone <laughs> trying to get a picture of it and run into the back of you. Yeah. And then click the little, uh, the little yellow yeah. box that comes up and go to the website and yeah. load it up. <laughs> well, Matt Supertrucker, he's been with us for, jeez, uh, about a year and a half now, right? He's been on the show, he's been running the social media, been helping out, and I asked him to pick his three favorite videos he's found since he's been here. So, Super Trucker, you take over now. All right, uh, Cody should have these queued up here. He's got it queued up, so just give us an intro, and uh, I guess he'll, he'll play. Just tell him to play when you're ready. Uh, this one should be, uh, you know, when you're, when you're trying to get uh, home time, 
or you're trying to get a hold of dispatch overnight and it's usually the overnight crew. It's always like some college kid that could care less about your situation you're stuck in. Okay. And this is that tape. I called for help twice and not a fuck you. What do you need or nothing? <laughs> every truck driver in the world just winces every time they see that. I guarantee you. Yeah. You know, it's you true like at nice, every company out there. You like to do a nice check call, Matt? Um, I have been spared from that. You've yeah. been spared from that? Yeah, yeah. That has been... I've ridden with the driver for three days, slept yeah. in the cab and everything. I've not done a check call. If, if our buddy Ryan Rogers was here, he'd oh, be that's you know, right. text locate. Yeah, that's just, right. just send a text. That's right. Don't be annoying him. Don't be in that video. What else you got, Justin? Uh, so every rookie driver, first time out, it's rough. Um, I definitely felt like this on my first couple of solo trips. Sorry. Oh my god, I almost died! No. I almost died! That was so scary! Thank you! It's okay. It's alright. It's alright. No, I'm sorry, Matt. You've done some ride-alongs. Was was your experience like that? Did you think you are almost going to die? Not like that. Not I had like a great that. driver. It was a wonderful experience. I'm going to do it again. It was, so how long were you in the truck for? Three days. You were in the truck for three days? Yeah, basically 23 and a half hours a day. And you were just, uh, I guess you just... Well, you weren't able to drive the truck, though, right? No. No. So, no. How, like, how would you guys sleep? Would you at a hotel or just sleep? No, in no, truck? we had bunk beds. In the truck? In the truck, yeah. How big of a truck was this one? Well, it was just a regular sleep, oh, regular freight, freight liner sleeper cab. Yeah? Yeah. So, it was great. Uh, he didn't snore. I didn't snore. And, um, you know, yeah, it was great. What was the best lesson you learned on the road? Um, I learned that when you have a lot of free time on your hands to sort of think through all of life's problems, um, there's a lot of... Wisdom, thought, paranoia. <laughs> you know, there's a lot yeah. of, you know, when you have, yeah. I mean, my driver was incredibly bright. There were a few things that he said that I'm not sure I entirely agreed with. Okay. He might have been a little bit kind of like that lady on the video, but. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. But, um, but for the most part, um, yeah. He was just EQ'd a little bit differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one thing I did not have to, I was, eh, there's kids listening. I can't say that. Um, oh, the funniest thing that happened was yes. I get out of the truck to go get coffee and um, this late, so I'm wearing this shirt yeah. and a pair of shorts and a pair of Crocs. And the lady behind the counter, she looked at me and said, um, you don't have to pay for it. So I felt like, oh, wow, SNL skit with Eddie Murphy. Like, yeah. It's free. You don't have to pay for it. And I said, well, thank you. And she looked at me and she said, you ain't no trucker. Oh, <laughs> wait. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I am. And she's like, no, you're not. You ain't no trucker. I'm no truckers. You ain't a trucker. Then why did she give it to you for free? Because she saw me get out of the truck. Oh, okay. But yeah. then she was but like, But she knew I wasn't a truck. She's like, What's your deal? Yeah. And I said, Well, you're right. But I want to know why, how you knew that. But she's like, I can tell. Honey. She Don't. could tell me. Justin, I know how she could tell because he didn't take like a 40, you know, 60 ounce soda cup and pour coffee yeah. in it. You oh, actually took it yeah. to the soda machine <laughs> instead of putting coffee Stolen in it. Stolen Dead giveaway, right? <laughs> Just complete dead <laughs> giveaway. All right. What do we got for number three here? Uh, so this one, it's not a video, but it was a fun little meme. Uh, by a friend of the show, Reed. Uh, a lot of people in supply chain don't know what lumpers are. Yeah. And so we, we, we thought this would be a really funny uh, joke to put out there, you know, lumper appreciation. Because people who do know what lumpers are, they're like, well, why the hell would you ever appreciate anything these guys do? And the other half are like, what the heck's a lumper? So it was a lot of fun um, poking around at people with, the, with this one. It's like a cartel. Well, yeah, oh, like yeah. capstone lumper fees. There are a lot of people online oh who uh, they got upset by the lumper appreciation week. They were like, uh, they got trolled by it. They didn't realize that it was like mm-hmm. sarcastic. My driver hated lumpers. Hated them. Yeah, like you know, kind of. I don't know. I was a little worried what he was. Gonna, he actually went up to the the guy in the shipping receiving office and told him what he thought about you know forced use of lumpers. <laughs> forced use. Well, because you have to. You don't no, have a choice. Yeah, yeah. It's like that's why it's a cartel. You know. Sure, you get. I was, they're not, they're I was never told. I was never told what they were when I was left on my own, and my first three loads were all lumper loads. I thought I was getting ripped off. Mm. Well, hey guys, thank you so much for joining me for episode six hundred up here. Hey, in the last minute, can my son come up? Come on up here. Yeah, come on, tell everyone what you're up to. Yeah, because my mom. You may be doing an internship in supply chain. Come on up here, sir. Look at that. All six foot one of. There you go. Share the mic. There you go. Introduce in yourself, young man. You gotta duck down uh, a little bit. You gotta, there he is. <laughs> uh, I'm Walker McClellan. I'm his son. And um, 12th grade? 12th grade, yeah. Senior high school. Working at the hospital in the supply chain this, uh, Ooh, this summer. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. I'm making sure all those ORs are stocked with supplies so that when some patient goes in there, they don't have a no shoot moment. Yeah, you don't want that. So young Walker's interested in medicine, just like his mother. He wants to be possibly a surgeon. He knows what he doesn't want to do. He doesn't want to do that. Before.
Don't want to, doesn't want to do P. All right, well, we can spare you from that. There's plenty of other jobs out there. Hey, thank you so much, Super Trucker. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Jet, earlier in the show. Thank you, Walker, for coming on the show. Thank you, audience, for listening. You can find me on Twitter, at Timothy Dooner. You can find the show at FW What the Truck on all your social. We're even on threads now. I don't know how long that'll last. Another suck project. Hey, you can subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. Take care. And don't be a stranger. <laughs> <laughs>